Welcome to Sailing in the Mediterranean and Beyond podcast. I'm your host. My name is Franz. Well, I've been missing in action, haven't I? Yeah, since the 1st of July, I haven't put out a podcast. And uh, there's damn good reasons for that. First of all, uh, as I told you before, I was not allowed to go sailing until I'd finished our summer home and got my wife moved in. So that happened. That happened uh, the end of July. I got the uh, final occupancy permit, and uh, we moved in. And uh, (laughs) within a week, I had booked my flight, and I put out an email to all my potential crew members and said, hey, I'm going sailing in a week. Who wants to go with me? And, of course, with that little bit of notice, I had only one taker, and that was my friend Roger Schultz, who came for the whole month. I was gone basically about a month sailing. And Roger's a great guy. I've sailed with him for years. He helped me build my boat way back when. But I don't care how good a friend you have, being with one person for a month is is sort of exhausting. The conversation lags when it's just two people. And Roger and I would play chess once in a while, and we'd have conversations once in a while. But I think he was happy to get off the boat and get away from me. And, and I was happy to get off the boat and get away from Roger. Roger's a, a liberal, a former government employee, and I am a libertarian, an anti-government employee kind of guy. So we had some interesting political discussions I was not able to convince him of the evils of his ways, and he was not able to convince me of the evils of my ways. But nonetheless, it was great to have him with me. It, it's really hard to take a full cover off a boat, fold it up, clean off the boat, put the sails on, do all the odds and ends of maintenance that has to be done on the boat uh, by yourself. I've done it. It's exhausting. And the older I get, the less enticing it becomes for me to do it. In fact, I've told my, my daughters, I said, hey, if you guys don't want to take over the boat in the next five years, I'm probably going to sell the boat because it's just getting to be too much work for, uh, for one person. When I have people helping me, it goes a lot faster. When I have to do it by myself, it is just really, really, really exhausting. The sailing is easy. It's pre- preparation of the boat, the maintenance of the boat, all the odds and ends that have to be done to the boat. Uh, is uh, is always a headache. So here here were the problems I had this year. First of all, when I I have a hand pump on the boat in the galley for the fresh water, and uh, that seems to be an obsolete system nowadays. Almost every boat comes with electric pumps for both the uh, well. Nobody seems to use salt water anymore, but I have a, a boat that uses salt water which is a foot pump, and fresh water, which is a hand pump. And I don't have an electric pump on the boat. I have a, a fin spray pump, which is a very, very reliable pump. The problem with this pump is it has a leather, uh, well, what's the, what's the word you want to use? It's not a gasket. It's the plunger that goes up and down that creates the actual suction. It's, it's made out of leather. And if you don't keep it wet, it dries out and it's no good. Um, and in the past, I, I had to replace this leather, this leather, I don't know what you call it, uh, plunger, uh, off and on, but I cannot find that anymore. So over the last few years, when I've put the boat up on the hard, I will dismantle the pump, 
and there's a little ball, bronze ball, bronze bearing or bronze ball, uh, and also this leather plunger uh, that I will take out and put in a little uh, jar or Tupperware with water in it, so it sits in water and it never gets, it never dries out over the winter. Well, this year I put it back together. And what happened is uh, it was it is it had expanded so much that it was hard to uh, it had expanded beyond the diameter of the uh, of the pump the wall of the pump, and when I tried to put it in, it popped through the bottom. So uh, you know, so I started walking around, walking around every little shop in uh, near Dubrovnik, uh, ACI Marina in Dubrovnik, and there's about three of them that you can go to and. Nobody even has any parts for hand pumps at any of these shops. It do, there does not seem to be any hand pumps at all. I guess all the new charter boats just go with uh, electric pumps, which means you use probably about four times as much water for the, uh, for the given needs. So I was out of luck on that. So I started looking at this piece, looking at this piece, looking at this piece, and I realized that really what had happened was the internal hole that attached to this um, this fastener that holds the leather plunger onto the uh, the plunging rod the pump rod that goes up and down had had basically gotten too large and now it was just going past it so I thought oh I, I can fix that I can fix that it just needs to have a washer to take up that space and so I got in my Lazarette hardware store, which I mean, I've got, I've got hundreds of pounds of fasteners and screws and bolts and electrical fittings. And I've got a major hardware store that I carry around with me all the time. And I, that has been a godsend to me over the years. It, it's, uh, it is very valuable to me. It's a pain, but boy, you know, I can get in there and pretty much find most things that I could need to to fix it. Well, I found a, a bronze washer that I had when I was building my boat. I had a big bronze washer, but it needed to have some machining on it. It needed the ins inside hole to be widened just a little bit, and the outside of the washer needed to be shaved off a little bit. So I walked around the marina, showed it to some people. Who was, oh, you know, let me tell you, and I'm going to offend some people here, and I really don't care because I call it as I see it. The Croats do not have a work ethic. They are, they are not a service culture at all. Um, the language is very harsh. And even talking to each other, you listen to them talk. It sounds like they're shouting at each other all the time. But anyway, I walked around the marina trying to find somebody that could take this. And, and I've, got the, I've got the tools in my workshop that I could easily do this if I were home. But I'm, of course, a long ways away from my little metal lathe that I have in my workshop. So I went around and said, listen, all this has to be done is just this taken out a little bit and this taken in a little bit on this washer. You know, it's a five-minute job. Uh, can you do it? No, 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 no. Finally walked around to a couple other marine stores. And finally, when I was walking into this one marine store, I was talking to the shopkeeper. The, uh, there was a guy standing there that had, was buying something from the shop. And he looked over at me and said, you know, I, I think I might have a guy that can help you on that. And he said... Uh, here, here, let me give him a call. So he called up this guy, and uh, 
and he happened to be over at the marina at the time doing some work on another boat. And he came by and he looked at it. He said, yeah, I can do this. It'll be 200 kuna, which is an absolutely ridiculous amount of money for the work. But I was sort of over a barrel. He had me. And he took it and had it back in about, mm, about, an hour, about two hours. He had it back to me and it worked. So I fixed that problem. So that was one of the big problems in putting the boat in the water. I did not want to go out with having access to my freshwater tanks because uh, that's what I wash with. It's, I don't typically drink the water out of the freshwater tanks. I could. If I did that, I would be running it through uh, my catadine filter that I have on board. Uh, but I use it for cooking, for washing, for a lot of other things. And then, of course, when I'm cooking pasta and I'm in clean salt water, I will use the salt water uh, for cooking the pasta or potatoes or anything like that that I might use. So that was one of the big problems I had to deal with. Uh, we worked on the boat for a couple days. Here's a situation that I developed that uh, I'll give you a heads up on. I, I, w I, I live in a desert climate, so it's dry here. And it can be 100 degrees outside, and I'll sweat, but, uh, but it's not that uncomfortable. Over in Croatia, it was, uh, I think the temperatures, are, they're always in centigrade, and I can never go back and forth very well, but it's probably 88, 89 degrees, 90 degrees. It was unbearably hot and super high humidity. And so when that happens, when I get in an environment like that, my pores open up and I just sweat. I mean, it is literally dripping off me as, as fast as it goes in. So I was working on the boat inside, and it was, it was even hotter inside the boat, uh, reattaching my batteries, turning on my, uh, my refrigerator, hooking up my pump, uh, getting the sails out of the inside of the boat, the dinghy out of the inside of the boat, the outboard out of the inside of the boat, all the stuff that I packed down inside the boat, have to get out. And then, of course, you're always doing things with your fingers, always doing tying knots, untying knots. Well, towards the end of the day, on the first day, I could not control my fingers. I got cramps in my fingers, and I literally had to take my other hand and straighten out my fingers. I, I lost control of the fingers on my right hand. And uh, this was concerning to me, and I... Uh, I thought, wow, this is strange. And, of course, during the day, I'm drinking water, drinking water, drinking water, sweating, 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 sweating. And uh, literally, you could follow me, follow me around down below on the boat, and you would see drips of sweat everywhere you go. It's, that's how much I sweat. Called my wife that night, and I said, geez, this is happening to me. She says, well, that's, uh, that's dehydration. And she said, are you drinking beer? I said, yeah. She said, quit drinking beer. Beer's a... A beer is the worst thing you can drink when you're in the, that hot. He said, if you want to drink, drink the hard stuff, but don't, don't, don't drink beer because it's a diuretic. And she said, um, just drink more water, eat some bananas, and uh, hopefully it'll go away. And it did. I, I followed her advice, and that's, that's uh, what happened. But that, uh, that was uncomfortable. So we, we put the boat in the water. And uh, before I continue on with the story, let me, let me thank my sponsor, Sailrite, because it's been a while since I've done an advertisement for Sailrite. I, I sure wish I had this machine on my boat. Let me tell you, if it was uh, small enough, I would, I would take this machine and put it on my boat. But my boat doesn't have that much space. But, boy, this would have come in handy this summer. But, so I'm, I'm a big fan of the Sailrite sewing machines, and I'm happy to, to do an ad for them. 
This show is sponsored in part by Sailrite. Since 1969, Sailrite has been equipping self-sufficient sailors with tools, supplies, and knowledge they need to sew for their boats. This second-generation family business is also the maker of the Sailrite UltraFeed sewing machine. The UltraFeed is a portable, heavy-duty sewing machine that was designed to handle all your maritime sewing projects from sails to covers. At Sailrite, you'll find everything you need to take on your next do-it-yourself project, including fabric, tools, hardware, and even hundreds of free how-to video tutorials. Start your next project at Sailrite.com. That's S-A-I-L-R-I-T-E dot com. So we, we launched the boat, and I go to the Marine office, and I renew my, my contract for another year because I, I figured I just only had a month to sail. Not even a month. I really was on the water only about three, three and a half weeks. So I decided I was going to take my boat down to Montenegro, uh, restart the time clock on it, and then come back up to Dubrovnik and sail up north as far as I felt comfortable with and then come back and put the boat up in Dubrovnik. I did have a couple great experiences this summer. Now, first of all, Howard Clayman, who's done a podcast with us from um, uh, when he's talked about Israel, sailing in Israel and sailing in Cyprus, was hoping to join me. In fact, he wrote me and said, Franz, if you have an opening, I'd love to join you. Turned out my schedule didn't work out with his schedule, so he could not join me. But I did meet another one of my listeners uh, in Montenegro. We corresponded by email, and we had a uh, had dinner together. Jackson Cranfield. Jackson, a while back, wrote me this email. He said, Hi, Franz. I've been listening to your podcast for the past two years and have loved all the stories and advice you've passed on. My name is Jackson. I'm 27 years old, Austria- Australian, and five years ago I started developing the dream to sail around the world. I have competitively sailed since the age of 10 in dinghies, skiffs, and yachts, either fleet racing or match racing, but I wanted to see the world under sail. Over the past three years, my girlfriend and I started planning towards the adventure and have turned it into a reality. We purchased an Elan Impression 384 in Croatia in April this year, returned to Australia to plan the finer finer details and pack up our life. We're starting out in Pula, Croatia, and want to make our way to the Canary Islands later this year and cross over to the Caribbean. Now, I know we are not leaving enough time to do the Mediterranean, but we want to make it back to Australia in the next 18 months. So he wanted my insights, and I responded with what I thought he might want to do. I think I did it on a podcast a while back. Well, anyway, Jackson was working his way down the Croatian coast. He sent me an email, and he said, hey, I'm in Montenegro. Can we meet up? And so we did. We met in, he was at Anchor and Rice, and I pulled into the Anchorage after we cleared customs, after we launched the boat the second day out. And I'm sailing by Ryson, and I see my spot that I tied up before open. I immediately see his boat out there flying the Australian flag. I go by, and I yell, and I say, Jackson, Jackson. His girlfriend pops, his, pops her head out the, the uh, let's see, what's his girlfriend's name? Um... Yeah, I'm just going to have to let it go with that because I'm terrible with names. Anyway, she pops her head out the hatch and uh, says, Oh, Franz, Franz, great. 
come over for dinner tonight. So I said, sounds like a plan, but our dinghy's not launched yet. She said, we'll come and get you. I said, okay, great. So we tied up at the, uh, the, 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 what, the key, out on the key, out at the very end. I couldn't believe the spot was open when there were two boats, or actually three boats that anchored just outside of Ryson, and this spot on the key was available. So I snuck in there, grabbed that spot. So we had a uh, side tie on the key. So we could get off and walk around town and go get coffee in the morning and dump our garbage and not have to inflate the dinghy. Because I didn't, I, you know, I don't want to inflate the dinghy until I have to because it takes up so much space on my foredeck. So we had just launched the boat two days earlier and uh, we hadn't inflated the dinghy. We hadn't started the motor. And so he came over and picked us up and we went to dinner on another person's boat who was also anchored. And I actually have his card here. Let me find it. Okay, the person that we uh, actually went to and had the barbecue on was Manuel Marinelli on the sailing vessel Independence. And he's got a website called Project Mania. And it was a steel boat. He just bought it that year. He was sailing with a friend that he'd met in Turkey. And it was a, a pretty big boat. It was a center cockpit boat, steel boat, probably 42 feet in length is my guess. And he was using the boat as a research vessel for some of the, uh, the non-government organizations that were doing maritime research or oceanography research. And he has a website. I'm just going to read it off to you in case you're curious about it. It's uh, project, www.project, P-R-O-J-E-C-T-M-A-N-A-I-A dot A-T. And he was um, Austrian. That's right. He was flying the Austrian flag. And so if you go to the website, you can see the projects he's doing. I'm going to try to reach out to him to do a, a podcast with him, to do an interview at some point in time. It was, uh, it was great. He had the barbecue going. Uh, the girls were vegetarian, the guys were carnivorous, so we ate some chicken and steaks and had a great evening. So it was great to spend some time with Jackson and Manuel and the two women, and I can't remember Jackson's girlfriend's name. Jackson, I apologize. It'll come to me because it was, um, it was a name that I thought I should be able to remember. And it's in my log, but the log's on the boat, and I'm back in my office in Salt Lake City, so I... Uh, so I can't, uh, <laughs> I can just, I can just uh, plead ignorance. Anyway, so the next morning uh, we head out, we head on over to Kator, uh, spend a couple nights in Kator. In Kator we uh, meet another boat called, uh, it was uh, the boat named Calm. And this was an island packet 44 sailed by George Singer, a retired lawyer out of uh, one of the Carolinas, I think. It turns out I had actually met George the year before, and we started comparing notes because he was there when we had the, uh, the major windstorm, and he informed me that the marina, last year when I was putting up my boat, the day that I pulled my boat out, out of the water, we had this massive, massive windstorm. In fact, it was in the, in the boatyard where I was working. It was picking up 55, empty 55-gallon drums and throwing them literally, well, about 10 feet into the air. I saw one land in the back of a cockpit of a powerboat, and they emptied it out later on after the wind died down. But he told me 
that uh, that was the highest recorded winds that ever had in that marina, and, and he and I both were there that same day. Anyway, he was sailing around uh, Montenegro, had a conversation with him, saw him later on back in Dubrovnik, but he spends his time on the boat, spends probably four or five months a year sailing around uh, in, in uh, Croatia. I've seen him primarily in Croatia. I don't know if he sails other places, but had a nice conversation with him. While we were putting the boat in the water, uh, and we were still on the hard, a guy came by. He had a a jar full, a water bottle full of oil, used oil. He'd obviously been changing the engine oil on his boat, and I told him where the the waste disposal was for the engine oil. And then we got to talking, and he was on an Atlantic 57 catamaran. His family just uh, got in the water, and I don't remember if he sailed the boat across or if he shipped it across, but he was with his whole family, uh, and they were enjoying themselves in the Mediterranean. And we got to talking, and he was explaining to me the, and I always worry about getting my boat out of the EU uh, every 18 months, but he was concerned about being in the EU with his family for more than three months because apparently you, when you sail over or when you, when you go to Europe, you have a visa good for three months and then you have to get out of the EU for three months and then you can come back in. So he was worried about the visas. Now, Andrew Vick and I talked about this in one of the podcasts, and apparently Croatia's not in the Schengen Agreement, so that uh, that visa issue does not apply when you're in Croatia. And he pointed that out. And I'm not sure what the visa limits are in Croatia, but it's not the same as the EU. Anyway, it's nice to meet him. He was uh, having a great time with his family. I ran into another American boat, and I never got the card from them. I was swimming around, and I swam over to this American boat, and I wasn't sure if it was an American. I think this is just outside of, uh, yeah, this is just when we anchored in Sovtot. I saw this boat. I sailed over. I swam over to it. I was talking to it, and I was talking to these people, and they had um, just shipped their boat over this year from the Caribbean, so they'd loaded it on a ship, and then uh, shipped it across the Atlantic on the ship, and then unloaded it in Genoa, Italy, and it just sailed around that year. And I asked them where they planned on wintering, and they they had no idea about wintering. They just planned on sailing through the winter. They were thinking this was like the Caribbean, and it is not like the Caribbean. You don't want to be sailing in the Mediterranean in about for about four months during the winter, because it is stormy everywhere. But I think they're going to find out the hard way that uh, you're not going to be spending the whole winter sailing in the Mediterranean, not unless you like very, very rough weather. So I said, well, you might go to uh, Marina Ragusa in southern Sicily. But he said, oh, no, we're just going to sail. I said, okay, good enough for you. And I can't remember the name of the boat, but it was a catamaran. I'm seeing so many catamarans now. Anyway, let's let's sort of wind up this podcast. I've I've got lots to talk about, but... I'm still trying to catch up at work. I just got back last week from my sailing vacation. I shouldn't say vacation, my my sailing work. I just wanted to get something out for you, you guys. I did have a great experience yesterday. One of my listeners, Brian Gibbs, reached out to me. He's from Texas. He's not a sailor yet. He's dreaming of being a sailor, but he's in Salt Lake for a healthcare analytics conference that's being held 
at the Little America Hotel in Salt Lake City this week. And he wrote me a couple emails saying, hey, Franz, I'm in town. Can we get together for lunch or breakfast or something? And I said, sure. And so we had breakfast yesterday morning. It was great to sit down and talk to him and uh, learn a little bit about his life. He learns a little bit about my life. It was really great. I, uh, I really enjoy meeting my listeners. Now, I'm not a Twitter person, and I do have a Facebook account, but I very rarely look at it. So if you want to reach out to me, you need to write me directly, franz1 at medsailor.com. I'm not going to really talk any more about the summer sale in this podcast. I'll talk about it in the next podcast, but I do have some questions from listeners. Get ready for today's mailbag. I like getting emails from my friends out there. So if you have any thoughts, comments, suggestions, or questions, write me franz1 at medsailor.com or use the contact form at the website. Now for today's emails. So this email comes from Nicole Glennon. And it says, we, along with three other couples, are chartering a catamaran out of Paros, Greece, for one week at the end of August 2019. So they've got a year to plan for this. We would love to take in as much as we possibly can. Could you recommend a potential itinerary? Um, You can always uh, email me directly, Nicole. I'll talk about this in this podcast, but maybe we should have a conversation on the phone drop me an email if you want to do that. But looking at Google Earth, you didn't tell me where you're chartering out of Paros, whether it's going to be out of Paros town or the northern town in Paros, which is uh, in the northern town on the island of Paros, which is Nausa. My guess is you're going to probably be chartering out of Paros town because there's a charter base there. Um, I, as a general rule, I don't like to sail more than about 30 nautical miles on any given day. So if you're chartering out of the town of Paros, uh, one place you might visit would be Sifnos. This might be an itinerary for you. Sifnos, which would be to the west, and with the Meltimis blowing, you could get there easily because it'd be sort of a broad reach over there. Uh, from Sifnos, you might go down to Milos, which I haven't been to in years, but I did enjoy Milos. And then from Milos, you might go straight up to Seraphos. So there's one, two, three. Seraphos would be directly north of Milos. That would be going directly into the wind. If the Meltemia is blowing, you're going to have to choose an alternative destination, uh, which means you would probably go to, oh, maybe Eos, which would be more of a broad reach if you have a Meltemia blowing. Um, but let's see, how long would it be from Milos clear? Let's do this again. So from Milos to Eos, uh, you're talking about, f- is a crow flies, 42, 43, 44 nautical miles. So that would be a long day. There's a couple little islands in between that you might stop at that I have not been to, so I cannot give any reports. Fulagrandos is one, and Sykonos is another. 
Haven't been to either one of those. Been to Eos. I'm not a particular fan of the town of Eos. It's boom, boom, boom. But if you're young and you like to go out and you like that boom, boom, technical music, techno music, uh, that seems to be a place where a lot of young kids go and play and party. Uh, the southern end of Eos has some great anchorages. So that might be the other spot you would go. And then from Eos, I would head back up to, uh, to Paros. Now, if you're going out of Paros, Paros town, um, and, and you want to do a different route, and you don't want to go over to Sifnos, instead you wanted to go, let's say, over to Naxos, you would either go around the north end of Paros and go over to Naxos. Now, I've been to Naxos. I've only anchored there one time. We anchored at the town at uh, Naxos. We rented a car and drove around the island. I was not particularly impressed by Naxos. Other people may have a different opinion of it, but I, I didn't enjoy it that much. But you might choose to go to Naxos. Another, another route might be to um, go south through the channel out of Paros, and you can only do this in very, very calm weather because it's very shallow and you have to follow a very specific route to get down through that southern pass between Antiparos and Paros. And you might head over to Eraclea, uh, some of those little islands over there. There's a bunch of little islands. There's Eraclea, Shinousa, Keros, and uh, a couple others. And then you might head over to um, Castelloperia. Now, I've spent some time there. Mm, it's sort of fun. But if you have the time, you might want to go to well, Amagoros is worth going to, and then Ostapaleia would be worth going to. But you're starting to get out of that range that you could cover in a week. Really just depends on what you're looking for. If you're looking for the little Greek villages, you want to avoid uh, towns like Eos or Santorini. You'd be more inclined to go to Amagoros or Ostapaleia. Um, you could go north to Mykonos. That would be a, a day's trip to go north from Paros to Mykonos. I don't know. I mean, it really depends on what you're looking for. Syros uh, might be another possibility for you. That, the, I mean, you, you, that's sort of, you know, draw a line around the islands there of, let's say, oh, no more than 60 nautical miles. You know, I'd, I'd actually say probably less than that, and I'm going to do this. I'm going to do a circle with a radius of um, 40 nautical miles and see what it encompasses. All right, at, uh, let's say at 45 nautical miles, radius from Paros. That gives you quite a few options, and so that includes Mykonos and Syros. Uh, and Sifnos and Syros and Seraphos. I already said Syros, but Seraphos, Sifnos, Milos, Eos. It even includes Santorini and Ostapaleia. Well, not Ostapaleia, Amagoros, excuse me, Amagoros. That's sort of your cruising range in a week, and you've got lots of choices there. But you're going to have to worry about Meltimis. And you might be port-bound for two or three days in any one location. So you need to always build that into your itinerary. 
That's, a, that's what I'll cover in this podcast. If you want to call me, drop me an email with your phone number, and I'll call you when it's convenient for me. All right, next question. I got an email from David Buck asking me for the KMZ files that uh, Andrew Vick had shared with us. They are at the website. Please don't write me and ask me for those. They are on the podcast that I did with Andrew Vick. There's a link to those KMZ files. I've had uh, several people ask me for that, and I did find them for David Buck, but uh, quite honestly, I'm too damn busy to go dig through my uh, past podcast to find these KMZ files for you when they are at the website. Anyway, I found them for David. David said thanks, and then he sent me a picture of his boat that he sails uh, in Cape Cod and Maine, and it's a gorgeous, gorgeous wooden, uh, classic wooden boat. Well, well maintained. Thanks for sharing those photographs with me, David. Uh, I wish my boat looked that great, great, but you take, you maintain that beautiful wooden boat very, very well. If I'm ever up in that area, I'd love to go out sailing with you on that boat. So uh, send me an invitation sometime. Give me an excuse to go out there. Uh, all right, uh, let's see, what's next? I'm actually just rereading this email from David Buck. He wrote, I'm gathering information for a sailing trip along the Croatian coast, which we will be taking late spring, early summer 2019. You and a million other people, it seems like, from my experience last summer. I came across your podcasts, and in episode 156, you stated that the links to the Anchorage and other places were available on a request. They have since been posted at the website, so... You can search for those. I think I might have them in a couple different places. And anyway, you can you can contact Andrew Vick directly because I've got his contact information there as well. Would I be able to recommend any specific piloting guides? I keep on seeing Adriatic Pilot, Pilot by T.D. Thompson. Would you consider that pilot the best, or do you prefer others? Uh, I prefer... I think it's now 888. Uh, when I first bought mine, it's 777, and I've still got that on boat on board. It was a paperback uh, chart, a chart book, and it's falling apart. I need to buy another one. And I also have that Adriatic Pilot, but I have one of the very old editions of that. I, mine is over, I think, 10 years old, and I think there's been a new edition. But the one I've got is very poorly put together. It does not seem to do a very good job by T.D. Thompson. It's not as good as a lot of the other M-Ray pilots I've seen. If, but however, if it were me, I would get both of them, unless you're limited on space. Uh, both provide different information. Uh, I tend to use 777s. But, but again, I've got, I've got a mental map of the entire Croatian coast in my mind, having sailed there for four years now. Uh, and so I know where I'm going as a general rule. When you're going blind, gather as much information as you can ahead of time. I think it's 888 now, and it used to be called 777, but I think they've added 100 new <laughs> anchorages along the Croatian coast. And also get the Adriatic pilot. Andrew Vick told me that uh, the new Adriatic pilot is much better than the old one, but I haven't spent the money on the new Adriatic pilot. I actually planned on buying it this year, but I didn't see it in any of the, the uh, stores when I was in Croatia, so I never did pick up the new edition on the Adriatic Pilot. But get both of them. All right, David. 
I got a great email, and this is a sort of email I really like to get from Derry, from Gary Tackex, Tackex, Tackex. I guess that's how you say it, Gary. Tackex from TackexLearningCenter.com. And Gary wrote, Hi, Franz. My name is Gary Tackex. Hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. And I'm a new Patreon supporter. As a fellow podcaster, I know how much effort it takes to put out a quality podcast like yours. I created the very first dental podcast, and it's called The Thriving Dentist Show in late 2011. And I publish an interview format podcast every Wednesday. Last week was our 335th episode. I've been a longtime sailor and actually live on my Catal- and actually lived on my Catalina 27 for four years as a young adult. Now I'm 58 years old and getting back into sailing. My wife and I are researching types of sailboats and plan to purchase a sailboat soon. I really appreciate your podcast. I listen to it on my six-mile training runs every morning. Thanks for all you do, Gary. Well, Gary, I actually went and subscribed to your podcast to listen to your podcast. It's a great podcast if you're a dentist, but boy, some of the terms and terminology are very specific to that profession, and and it was hard for me to follow some of the um, some of the techniques. But it seemed to be if I were a dentist, I would be definitely listening to your podcast. It's well put together. It gives good information, and I really appreciate you becoming a Patreon supporter. And along with that, I want to thank all of my Patreon supporters, and I'm going to list some of them here. My first Patreon supporter was Jack Andrews. Jack Andrews is the one that got me to uh, set up a Patreon account. So Jack, thanks to you, and we need to catch up. It's been a long time since we've talked, and I'm sure you've got some adventures to share with our listeners. (laughs) And so give me a call when you have a chance on Skype or, uh, or drop me an email. So I want to thank Adrian Ramsey, Alvaro Fabre, Bjorn Westra, Bonnie Walton, Brad Harley, Brian Gibbs, Chris, who didn't give me a last name, Gary, who I just talked about, Gary Tackex, Greg Wilson, Howard Clayman. Thanks, Howard. Appreciate it. Uh, again, Jack Andrews, he's in here. I'm just reading down the list. Jake Miller, Johan Sandy, thank you. Kevin Yeager, Matt Young, Rich Jardine, Rob Marshall, Shane Berry, and TJ Crowell. Those are my Patreons. Thank you guys so much for supporting the podcast. And if anybody else out there would like to help support the podcast, I really appreciate it please consider becoming a Patreon. I got an email from Blake Baker, and he actually wrote out a review, of, did not, and he actually recorded an audio or actually a YouTube review of the podcast. I was able to split out the audio from the video, and I'm going to play it right here. Hello, friends. My name is Blake, and I've been listening to your podcasts for about a month. I'm up to episode 87 already, I think it is, starting from the bottom. I just wanted to send you a quick note, letting you know I've been enjoying the podcast, and since you like audio so much, I recorded it for you instead with a few clips from the trip my wife and I took to the Mediterranean. Sort of the Mediterranean, the southern coast of Spain. I'm sure you'll recognize many of the places in there, anyhow. uh, We're not sailors yet, but there will be a day they call me Captain Baker. 
My wife and I lived on a small cruiser boat uh, for a few weeks at a time on a lake up here in Canada for a few summers before our son was born. And it was the time of our life. We want to again, next time we want it to be on the ocean with sails, uh, and hopefully for longer periods of time. I just wanted to say thanks for all your effort, and I do like the personal comments you give before the podcast. I think it sort of adds to the whole narrative of your adventures. I did send you a link to our full Spanish vacation video in a previous email, but as you said, sometimes they get lost, and I thought I would send an extra email just in case. I will link the full video as well in this email, and if you would like to go on our land sailing adventure sometime, uh, feel free. We love to travel as well and let the wind take us sort of wherever. We make kind of loose plans of where we're going to end up, but we love to stop places uh, that we find we really like and just sort of experience the culture and talk to different people and really get a sense for where we are rather than try and fit too many places in all at once. I enjoyed the guests that you have on, and I also really liked the podcasts I heard that were recorded while you were out sailing with a few of your listeners. Knowing that you guys are in the middle of an adventure is sort of a nice touch. I do have a few suggestions for the podcast, but since I'm only about halfway through, I think maybe I will just continue to listen for now and perhaps make a few suggestions or ideas later on as uh, there's a good chance maybe some of them will be addressed or somebody else may have emailed you the same thing by the time I get to your current episodes. I really like the sample ASA courses that you added into the podcast. If you are still looking for someone to send you some reviews on those, let me know. I could provide a viewpoint from a total novice who has never sailed before, if that's at all interesting to you. Thanks again. Talk to you later. Thanks, Blake. I really appreciate the review. All right, and the last email I got was from Craig Anderson. Craig wrote, I really enjoy your podcast and listening to your adventures. I've always wanted to learn to sail. My wife and I got the ASA 101 certification last year, but honestly, we are totally newbies and with very little sailing experience as it is hard to get much here in Dallas, Texas. Any advice on either sailing schools in the Caribbean or alternatively individual captains that you might know of that would you could recommend to somebody considering looking for a place to learn where we might get some personalized experience? Thinking of maybe something like a week course just to get the basics for my wife and I maybe getting up to an ASA 103 or 104. I appreciate any advice and keep the excellent podcast stories coming. You know, Craig, I get this question a lot of times, and actually Brian and I had lunch or breakfast yesterday. He had the same question. Where would he go to get some some uh, training, sailing training? And I'm not sure what there is around Dallas. I guess that's sort of a landlocked city. But isn't there some sort of body of water where you can go out and just get on some sailboats out there? I, maybe, maybe not. I interviewed uh, Bellingham Yacht Charters a long, long time ago. And I, I like the idea that you get training up in the Northwest out of Bellingham or Anacortes or one of those uh, 
schools up there. Bellingham is a great location. And the reason I like that is because you are going to get some training in learning to read tide tables and understanding tidal currents, which you're not going to get in the Caribbean or the Mediterranean. However, most people want to do this sort of training in the winter, and you're not going to want to be sailing out of the northwest, out of Bellingham in the winter. But I would look at um, possibly getting on a flotilla, and, and, and we talked about this yesterday, Brian and I having uh, breakfast. I said, you know what, you might, might want to get on a flotilla where they are providing instruction. A lot of these charter companies now provide ASA instruction, and if you can get on a flotilla where they're providing instruction at the same time as, uh, let's say, a vacation, you're traveling around, you've got a skipper on board that's training you, you and probably one or two other couples would be on this boat. Uh, that's what I would recommend. There's a lot of these that go on in the uh, Ionian Islands in Greece, and I'm sure there's a lot of them in, uh, in the Caribbean. And that's actually a good source of podcast for me. I need to reach out to some of these sailing schools and say, okay, come on, tell us what your itinerary is, what my people can expect. And uh, that sounds like a good set of podcasts that I could do. So if you know of anybody, any companies that you recommend, I'm, I'm just a, a talking to the, my general audience right now. If any of you guys know of companies you've had good experience with, uh, if you would send me their contact information and get them to get a hold of me, Franz one at MedSailor, I would set up interviews with them. It's basically free advertising for their schools and their charter company. But uh, I think we could get some information out to the listeners on that because I get this question all the time. And when I started sailing, the only way I learned to sail was getting on racing boats and racing. And I never had to uh, pass an ASA course uh, when I started chartering. They just took my sailing resume. And then later on, I got my commercial licenses, which is way beyond the ASA courses. And it's not something you need to bother with. Um, but... Uh, that's a, that's a good question. I wish I could answer it a little better, but I really don't. That's it for today's emails. If you have any thoughts, suggestions, or comments or questions, write me, franz1 at medsailor.com, or use the contact form at the website. If you want to do me a big favor, you could become a Patreon of the podcast. I have a few listeners out there that are already patrons, and I'm looking for more. If you have some spare change that you could throw my way once in a while, please sign up at patreon.com backslash And one more thing, if you like the podcast, I would really appreciate it if you could take the time to write a review of the podcast in iTunes or in your favorite podcast directory. All right, let's get on to today's episode. Well, that's going to pretty much finish up today's episode. I did want to reach out to Andrew Vick. Andrew sent me, uh, actually, we got on the phone just as I was leaving Croatia. And Andrew said, hey, listen, I, I just talked to a guy. Or I met a person out here sailing that bought a boat. Within the first month of it, he had uh, got in a major storm. It ended up destroying the boat. And he said he's got a great story to tell. I'm not sure if he will talk about it or not. 
but uh, if I can, can I record it and can you put it on the podcast? And I said, absolutely. Listen, I am always looking for information to share with our listeners. And where that information comes from, I really don't care. Andrew Vick is thinking of doing a doing a recording of this interview. I hope you do it, Andrew. I hope you can get it on there. You get all the credit for it. Anybody else out there who wants to con- contribute to this podcast, in other words, has audio stories or audio information or want to go do interviews with people that you find interesting, I would love to have you help me with this. I would like this to be more of a community project in the sailing community rather than just my project. It takes a lot of work to put these podcasts together. And as you see, (laughs) I've not done a podcast since July, and there's a reason for that. My life is very busy, very, very busy. And this podcast uh, sort of falls down the uh, level of priorities than than a lot of the other things that I do. Anyway, if you have any thoughts, suggestions, or questions, or comments, write me, Franz1, at medsailor.com. Get out there and go sailing. Life is short. In the end, all that really matters is the memories you make. So make a few. Go sailing.